motion, the sultan of speed, the wizard of whizzle, yes indeed, go from here to China in a no time flat, beat the speed of light and you can't beat that, the flash, a flash, a flash, meet the mighty flash, in a five heel smash, This is his aim, wears a ring with the flashes, uniform in it when danger threatens, he'll switch in a minute. The flash, the flash, meet the mighty flash, the flash, the flash, in a fight he'll smash. And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now fly the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and that is Scott Gardner and Dave Pascarella. Hi. Hi. As you can see, I'm surrounded by by the geniuses of the podcasting world. Did I still finally trademark by using your, your shtick? I swear. I'm not sure that Scott has a copyright on dumb voice. But he should. He, he, really should. he has perfected it. Dumb voice. TM Scott Gardner. Patent pending. <laughs> Patent pending. Yeah, I went to school with him. So today we're going to have, I mean, it's going to be a relatively short episode, I believe. Uh, but it's also a key episode because it's going to be Spotlight on Showcase. Or Showcase of Spotlight. Or something along those lines that like that there. Because <laughs> we're going we're gonna to take a look at the story that introduced the Silver Age version of The Flash. Uh, which is in Showcase Comics number four. Now, we all have a copy of that, right? Yes. yes. I had mine rolled up in my back pocket all day. <laughs> I got mine slammed. How am I supposed to open it now? Crack it open. It's it's a, it's a, it's a 9.9. I'm going to crack it open to do the podcast. Let me get my hammer. Hold on a sec. I'll just use a razor blade. It's not that big a deal. Anyway, uh... Where were you you guys first introduced to this particular story? It's funny you should ask that, because I just stepped away a second to go grab where I'm pretty sure that I first was introduced to this story. So I'm holding in my hands from sometime in the 70s. I want to say like 76, I think. Hey, look at that. First printing, August 1976. I am holding... Secret Origins of the Super DC Heroes with a bitchin' cover by Neil Adams on it of all the superheroes, like, running away from the spotlight. 
I have loved this book since I was a wee tyke, and I used to constantly rent it out of the uh, school library. And uh, this was, uh, to my recollection, I think this was one of the first eBay purchases I ever made when eBay came along, was hunting this finally down and owning my own copy of it. It's uh, it's a little uh, worn, but God, I love this book. Now, that is exactly and, uh, where I first read it. And I don't own that. I yep. owned that book, and I don't own it anymore. And I don't know why I don't own it. It is a great, great book. And uh, man, I'm telling you, I, I read this and read this and read this as a kid. I was just absolutely fascinated with it because it's just like it says on the cover. I mean, it's it's the secret origins of just about all the DC heroes you could want. You got Superman, Batman, Green Lantern, the Atom, Green Arrow, Wonder Woman, the Flash, Hawkman, Captain Marvel, you know, the Shazam version, and Plastic Man. And uh, it's just great because it has, like, their classic origins, and in some cases it actually has a couple for certain characters. Like, Superman has, like, his classic, I think it's just a one-page origin, yeah, his classic one page that was in action number one, and then it has the big retelling um, that was in Amazing World of Superman, I think was the first time, and it's it's in color, because that was not in color. So this has been colored, and it's it's just, I mean, it's just a gorgeous book. you got the classic Batman origin um, from... Uh, Batman, I think it's like 47, where he actually you know, tells his origin, but then he also confronts Joe Chill at the end of the story, which is my favorite Batman story. But the only one in here I can ever remember as a kid that was like, meh, was the Wonder Woman one, because I just never liked this art. I don't know who the artist is back in the Golden Age, but I just never cared for that art. And there's actually two iterations of that. There's like a classic Golden Age iteration, and then like a more recent... One with the Flash, you get the classic uh, Jay Garrick origin from, I think it's Flash Comics number one, and then this. So you get both the Golden Age and the Silver Age Flash. And uh, yeah, I just, I absolutely loved this. Yeah, I don't know what I did with my copy of that, and it bothers me. Uh, probably, you know, one of the times I moved, somehow it got lost. Uh, but I just looked, did a quick look on eBay while you were talking, and it's going for, you know, hundreds of dollars so it is not that's probably the hardcover there's two versions of it there's a hardcover because it's funny because i i was just looking at that today because I, I i either didn't know or i had forgotten that there was a hardcover and i was like oh i'd love to get the hardcover so i looked it up on ebay and as you say yes it's going for hundreds and hundreds of dollars but the soft cover now i which did is not what look i owned that yeah I didn't look at that today, but the last time I did look, that was out there for like a dime a dozen. It was not expensive. So you should be able to pick the, the soft cover up fairly inexpensive, I would think. But again, I have not looked for it in a long time, so maybe I'm wrong and it's gone through the roof too. I don't know. I just put in Everything's gone through the roof. Says. I see it, I see it, it for every... $55 or best offer. Yeah. Wow. Maybe it has blown up. I mean, everybody I've ever known that had it or wanted it as a kid, you know, has has very fond memories of it. So maybe maybe it has blown up as a as a nostalgia thing. I don't I don't know. Keep in mind too, with the popularity of the TV show and the talk about. Well, I don't know if it's going to happen now. The movie that always bumps the price up of this stuff too. Right. Yeah. No question. How did you first see this go. one, Dave? Here you go, Paul. $24, $24.99 free shipping. All right. Send me the link. I will. I'll order it now before any of the listeners can get ahead of me on the line. <laughs> oh, too late. I just bought <laughs> <laughs> How could I blame you? Don't worry. I'm not going to take it. <laughs> this was my first. I mean, I knew the story of the Flash, you know, probably from, ju if not Justice League, definitely from Who's Who. But the, I never read this particular story. 
until yesterday. Wow. So we have a newbie among us. I, I, I mean, I, I'm more familiar with Jake Garrick's stuff. I have the archives on that. But Barry Allen, no, this was my first read of uh, his actual original origin. Wow. The origin, origin, origin. The original origin. <laughs> it's using two variation of a variation on the same word. It's very well done. Anyway, uh, reading from now, this this story just so you, so that the listeners know that there, there were multiple stories in this book. We're only going to look at the the very first one. And the showcase, uh, or rather, the DC Comics database gives the synopsis as Barry Allen is a police scientist who is doused with chemicals that are struck by lightning. Barry soon finds that he is endowed with super speed and creates a costume which contracts and hides in his ring. He takes on the name of his favorite comic book character, The Flash. In his first mission as The Flash, Barry goes after the criminal known as the Turtle Man, dubbed the world's slowest man. The Turtle Man tries to rob a bank, However, he is ultimately thwarted by the Flash, despite the fact that his super speed often worked against him, going after the plodding Turtle Man. Ultimately, the Flash captures his opponent and turns him over to the police. Not a very detailed synopsis, but that's good, because we're going to go through this. this uh... So the cover, cover is interesting to me, because it's got like a celluloid uh, strip of uh, panels with the flash bursting out of the the one in front uh and it says presenting the flash and it's a cover that probably most of the listeners have seen but i find it interesting that they should choose to have film as the uh you know the forum for for showing it you would you, you would think that especially since they do have him presented as a fan of the original comic book flash that they would have like a cover to one of the issues of the Golden Age Flash and have him bursting through the cover, you know? But this this is an interesting choice, and it is an iconic cover, as far as I'm concerned. I could see them, though, not doing that, because you want to focus on the, the new as opposed to the old. You know what I mean? This, this is the new way forward, and you don't want to confuse people. and Oh, well, where, where, where's Jet? Hmm. Well, and at this point, I guess uh, the Golden Age Flash had been dormant for probably not as long as, you know, history would make you think. It was probably like five or six years or something like that. I can tell you here in a second. And you will tell me. Meanwhile, I, I'm gonna, I, was, uh, I didn't uh, actually give credit. Uh, the cover is drawn by uh, Carmine Infantino with Joe Kubert. Uh, the story is written by Robert Kaniger. It's penciled by Carmine Infantino, inked by Joe Kubert, lettered by Gaspar Saladino, and edited by Julia Schwartz. So the last issue of Flash Comics. Now, I don't know, did, did the Flash appear in multiple magazines, or was he pretty much confined to Flash Comics? Well, I, I guess he, was pro he probably appeared in All-Star Comics, but... That right. had been done for a while, I think. No, that went out in 51. Okay, well, that's still uh, five years earlier. This is 1956, by the way. So the last issue of Flash Comics proper was 104, which was, on, which was cover dated February 1949. So that was the end of the flash's own title but again you know whether he was appearing elsewhere on the stands i you know i i don't know because some of these characters um you know most notably like say superman and batman were appearing in like, multiple um com yeah all-star was still going on so all-star yeah all-star ran 56 issues i believe before stopping, yeah. and then, you know, they picked up with 57 in the 70s. Yeah, 56, which would have been the last issue with, uh, with the All-Star, with the, the uh, All -Star JSA. Western. 
1950, but whether the Flash is in that or not, I let's see. Yeah, he was. So yeah, yeah. So we're and talking then, five five years. Would people have? You know, it wasn't like today where we're old timers buying comic books. You think back then, you, no one would have been buying the original. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, but back then, right. you didn't expect people to keep buying comics probably past past the age of, say, 14. Uh, and maybe, right. maybe not even that long. So the audience would be expected to turn over every couple of years anyway. So the, the, right. the people who picked this up might not have been familiar at all with the original Jay Garrick Flash anyway. Right, exactly. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that by the time this hit the stands, superheroes were no longer the dominant force in comics at that time. It was the westerns, and I, because it was, you know, this is the comic that's credited with bringing the superheroes back. And I think we we need to 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 give credit to that because I think we often give credit to Marvel for maturing the comic books, uh, and and then you know bringing ushering in the Bronze Age and all of that. But we got to give DC credit just for bringing back the superheroes as a genre. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So would you say that this book is the birth of the Silver Age? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this this is what is generally acknowledged as the, the beginning of the Silver Age. I, I think that's a huge reason why in Crisis on Infinite Earths number eight, at the very end of the issue when the Flash dies... Um, it says something like the flash 1956 to 19, whatever it was, 85 or 86 or whatever. And that always seems a little bit weird because that couldn't necessarily be the years the character lived, you know, in that universe, but it's meant to represent the lifespan of the character and basically the death of the silver age. You know, the, the birth and death of the Silver Age. Well, certainly the, and, the death of the Silver Age DC Comics. Right, right. Yes, that's mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, I, I still maintain that DC as a whole never really had a Bronze Age. I know that's a very controversial thing to say, but, you know, with, with the exception of a few things like... Uh, you know, the, the more mature, and I say that in air quotes, you know, mature stuff with uh, Denny O'Neill's you know, Green Lantern and stuff. I mean, oh, the, DC there was, was kind of, you know, they were kind of stuck in the silver. Age. I, I totally agree with, agree with you, and we've talked about that a few times, but I think there were a few exceptions. There was the, the Denny O'Neill, uh, Neil Adams stuff in, in Green Lantern and in Batman. Uh, you had... Uh, the, you know, the new Teen Titans was certainly, you know, uh, something that, that brought it forward a little bit. Uh, and and then you saw it, you know, I think you saw it as DC started to uh, mine some of Marvel's Bronze Age talents. You know, you had people like Marv Wolfman and Jerry Conway and, you know, the, those those type of writers would come over and, and they started writing stories that were much more similar to what Marvel was coming out with in the Bronze Age. Uh so, so I think you know you did have some extent of it in in books like the Justice League and and you know it it, it kind of went back and forth because then you'd see them you know it, it's like they were f- afraid to take the full leap into a growth spurt. I don't even want to say mature because right. you know that that that's not mature almost makes it sound like it's pornographic sometimes <laughs> and right. I hate that. But right. but you know yeah. a more a more a sophisticated way of looking at it. I, I do think, you know, they, they, they held back. They didn't want to do it. They did. You saw it. I think that Superman is the best example of it. You saw it kind of go in fits and starts. They would, they would tell a, a more uh, sophisticated story and then they'd go back to, you know, Superman having to eat all the hamburgers on earth. Uh, right. You know, I, I mean, and, and it, don't get me wrong. I loved some of the silver age tropes like that. I get a big kick out of them, but they didn't seem to want to, you know, they were just sticking their toe in the water. They didn't want to dive in. Right. So this story, actually, the, the splash page is similar to what I was talking about because they show Flash comics, but they were actually showing the comic that we're reading, and you have Flash bursting through the pages. And I got to say, you know, I've been a detractor of Carmine Infantino's art in the past. 
I, I really like the way he draws this character. Uh, you know, it, it does look like he's moving fast. Just the speed lines seem natural on him. It's it, it's better than most of what I've seen from Carmine Infantino. And I know you guys are going to point to the uh, Star Wars comics that you love so much. And that's all well and good. But when I criticize Carmine Infantino, I'm talking more about his later Flash stuff or when he was doing uh, Nova uh, you know, books like that. Ooh. Oh, see, I, I, you know, you had me when you said the later Flash stuff, because I'm not a fan of that at all. Um, I, and I'm not sure what the problem is with that. I, I, I tend to think in this, I got to couch this statement with the fact that I am a Carmine Infantino fan, but I think my biggest issue with the later Flash stuff, and I'm talking like toward the end of the run of of this iteration of the Flash, like when he got his own title, um, I hate to say it, but I think a lot of it was just, it was either fatigue or laziness or maybe some strange combination of the two. He just was not bringing his A-game to that stuff. But, ooh, I'll, I'll argue you all day long on the Nova stuff. I love that stuff. Well, you know I what? think let's, that's... Let's make plans to bring one of those Nova books to the to the show. And we'll, sure. And, and we'll take a look at it more closely. And maybe maybe I'll look at it and I'll say, you know what? I was wrong. I was too harsh on this. But maybe I won't. Well, a lot of it with, <laughs> with Infantino, too, is, at least to my eyes, a lot of it is, is heavily based on who's inking him. Like, not only the era, because, I mean, the guy was in multiple, you know, de- you know worked for multiple decades, so his, his style is different depending on the decade you're looking at. Um, I like this, but I don't love it, despite the fact that I am a really big fan of his, and I think a lot of it is because, for one, it's... You know, it's older Infantino, it's earlier Infantino, so I, I think it's not quite as refined and, and quintessential Infantino as, you know, his style would become very distinct later on. But also, I can't help but think it's got to be uh, that and a mixture of the inks, because... Well, you've never um, been a Kubert fan. Yeah, and I do not like Joe Kubert at all. I don't like his style. I don't like the scratchiness. So some of the deficiencies in the art in, that I'm seeing here, um, yeah, I, I think I'd have to put some of that onto him. But yeah, some of it too is I think that you know the distinct Carmine Infantino style just wasn't quite there yet. There's there's glimpses of it here and there, especially like in the first. Uh, you know the first actual beginning of the story. You know, with the with the radar guys tracking the flash and all that. I mean, that looks very Infantino to me. But then there's other instances where I, you know, I'd be hard pressed if somebody just pulled certain panels or certain character models out and said, "Hey, who, you know, who penciled this?" I'd be like, "I have no idea." And that's weird because usually Infantino is something very that's stylistic. very distinctive. Yes. Yeah, but if, if, as we move the story along a little bit, you know, we get to the sequence that you said uh, after the flash page. We have people following. Uh, I guess it's military people following some sort of radar, and they it's, they see it's... something moving along the earth, you know, at, at, at an unbelievably fast rate of speed. And then we flash back. We... But you you know, the, just one thing to throw in there. That's like ripped out of uh, the day the earth stood still. From fifty one, nineteen fifty one, where they're tracking it. Oh, yeah, it could be oh, a buzz bomb yeah, or yeah. something. You're right. Good, good catch. And, and just before we move on from this page, if you look at the bottom left hand corner with the red skies, kind of reminds you of maybe this is where they got the idea for Crisis. <laughs> the red skies, <laughs> but the light. I, I like yeah. I like the the moodiness of that shot. It, it's very gothic looking. Uh, so, so we flash back and we see Barry Allen sitting reading Flash comics, and it looks like it's issue number thirteen. So I did a search for the cover of Flash but, comics number thirteen, and I do not believe this is an actual cover. No, no it's not. It's one of you did that too because I just did the same thing. And yeah, the the date is correct and the issue number is correct, but yeah, the cover of Flash comics number thirteen actually was a Hawkman cover. So. <laughs> He subled it for that issue. <laughs> so we, we go right into I mean, you know, that's one thing about origin issues of this day and age. 
they didn't well of this age and moving forward actually you know into the marvel age of comics they didn't waste time on these stories they got right into it he's standing there he's 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 fantasizing about uh his the flash then he goes to do work and boom lightning hits the chemicals and it go, falls all over him i mean it's it, there's, there's no delay here we get right into this then then he uh he, yep. he starts to go home from work because apparently uh you know 80 glass beakers falling on you don't cut you at all uh <laughs> and he's missing his cab that's and one thing i'll tell you him. that go ahead that's one thing that that definitely occurred to me reading this again was you know i'll, I'll have to give kudos to the old um 90s flash tv show with uh, john wesley ship is at least he did go to the hospital after this happened to him in that show mm-hmm and here, yeah, yeah, Barry just kind of shakes it off. I'd be think, you know, you would think that a scientist that's aware of these chemicals and what was on that shelf would be a little concerned with having this, you know, he even says, gave me a bath. You know, he wouldn't he want to know, like, am I OK? <laughs> you know? you Do I need to go to the hospital? Do I need to be checked? And he just, nope, he just goes home. <laughs> That was the days when you dragged yourself to work no matter what. Yeah, right. the good old to the end of your shift. <laughs> so he, he goes to get a cab home and uh, he misses it. And he starts chasing after it and discovers, oh, I have super speed. That lightning bolt must have shaken me up more than I realized. To make me imagine I raced past that speeding cab as if it were standing still. I think I'll sit down a bit in this diner. Now, that really does, you know, defies a little bit of common sense because wouldn't he find himself being whatever, however far away from where he started and say, how do they, you know, I did get here incredibly fast. This is not my imagination. But the, uh, the waitress at the diner starts to drop uh, or bumps into him and, and starts to drop a tray of food. Somebody ordered three hot dogs, a piece of pie french fries it looks like some beans and toast strange order uh who the hell gets three hot dogs without buns yeah well, and, you know they, they, they got the uh the carb thing going uh, of course they do a french fries and bread so that does they're not really doing a very good job of it um <laughs> that shot where he's sitting there staring at the unmoving you know the or the slow motion moving things uh I, I always thought that was really cool because, you know, his whole thing is to be able to draw super speed. And here he's drawing, you know, slowed down. And it feels that way. It feels like this stuff isn't moving. It doesn't feel like it's just a, a, a right. photo of it actually falling. It feels like it's moving in slow motion. And, you know, I, I don't know that that's an easy effect to catch. So I, I really am impressed by that shot. Uh, and then we, we did kind of see this whole sequence in the first Spider-Man movie, though, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the the waitress thinks that she imagined everything, which is, you know, I guess I guess that was just the, the way of the time. Yeah, I just imagined it. <laughs> Whatever happens. She's going to go home and tell Ricky all about this. <laughs> yeah she does look kind of like lucy <coughs> excuse me so uh barry goes home he's shaving and he's going to meet iris for a date and as he's meeting iris just by chance someone is shooting a bullet right at her head <laughs> and he sees it in you know in slow motion and, and knocks her out of the way and it turns out it was the turtle man slowest man on earth so now, now he's he understands that he has this superpower, and he's holding his issue of Flash Comics, and realizes he needs to use his speed uh, to to help humanity because with great power. Oh no, he doesn't say that. <laughs> I just thought of something. Go ahead. So okay, this this all comes much 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 later, uh, but his inspiration here is the original flash right the the jay garrick flash from the comics now much later he would actually meet this flash because this flash actually really exists on an alternate earth 
and they'd become chums and all that. So to explain why Barry Allen could read comic books about a real person, the explanation came about that, well, you know, writers on Barry's Earth were receive, receiving sympathetic vibrations <laughs> or some shit from this other Earth and, and were actually in tune with stories about you know, the flash of this other earth. And that's where they got the ideas to create the comics and all that sort of thing. Okay, whatever it's, it's hokey, but all right. But I think that actually is kind of cool when we now realize that this issue that he's looking at doesn't really exist in the real world. So it, it almost does sort of kind of lend into a ridiculous explanation of this whole thing. I, I actually kind of like it better now. Because it's not the actual issue. Because the thing that, that always would come up with that explanation is, okay, so if these writers are in tune with, with an alternate Earth and able to write comic book stories about it, what's stopping them from writing stories about Superman and his secret identity and Batman and his secret identity, characters which actually exist on the same Earth as Barry Allen in the same identities and they never really addressed that. So I think you're seeing here that, you know, they may have been getting those ideas because of those, you know, vibrations or whatever, but it wasn't literally the same thing. Right. You know, the same comics that, that we were reading type of thing. I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I think it's a, a little bit of a convoluted way to no prize it, but I think it makes sense to me once you <laughs> when you lay it out. It's like, yeah, okay, that that that, that fits well. Right. Do, do, do you remember, Scott? Uh, yes, I remember, Scott. It was an Scott. old Golden oh. Age story. <laughs> There's an old Golden Age story where Clark and Lois go to the movies and they're playing the oh, God, yes. cartoons. Yes. And it's like he has to get yep. her out of the theater when he changes yep. the cartoon. That's that's Maybe in... it's people are just stupid. <laughs> that is in some book I have. It's probably in Superman from the 30s to the 70s or something. It's it's in some book that I had as a kid, you know, as a reprint. But yes, I know exactly the story you're talking. And I thought that was ridiculous even as a child. So it's got to be a pretty dumb story. If as a as a kid, I even thought it was yeah, silly because I had no ridiculousness filter as a child. So that's breaking the fourth wall too <laughs> I think, far. Yeah, I think your no prize works great on this. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, it definitely that works. The different cover. It's not exactly the same. So uh, to go on with the story, he decides he, he's going to fight crime and he creates his costume as well as his uh, ring like underdog. <laughs> and, then, you know, he gets to squeeze his costume inside by putting it in some sort of chemical solution. And he's going so fast running down the side of a building that gravity has no effect on him. He breaks the sound barrier. And, and everyone is deaf for six blocks. Yeah. <laughs> he goes to the bank and the vault is... What is it? He says, the vault's empty. No one is here and nothing has been touched. I want to stop you right there because that is the point, in my opinion, where the story should end because I have dug everything to this point i dig nothing from this point forward the rest of this story is so shit to me that i really kind of wish it just kind of ended right there Honestly. well i i think the it, concept, it turns a corner with the next page i think the concept <laughs> of the turtle man is just ridiculous so i'm i'm yes. not disagreeing with you in the slightest so going to, well, actually you have to go several pages of ads and whatever. And then he says, now, why should the slowest man on earth go to the trouble of attempting a holdup and then stopping before completing it? That's it. Why didn't I think of it before? He's uh, doing it in two stages after everyone is off guard. And there he is. And he runs over and it's a, 
What? It's a, I guess, a shadow of the Turtle Man painted on the wall, and he runs into it. And then I, I, I can't stand the way they do the dialogue here. He doesn't know oh, I don't. <laughs> anticipated his return after I saw him enter the vault where I was hiding. Ha, ha, ha. It's just painful. <laughs> Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> I'm sure it was painful to listen to it as well. So No, could you do it does, again? Does this, <laughs> does this explanation make any sense whatsoever? No, no it doesn't. So then he he, it's, it's, he goes down into the sewer to chase after him, and there's a speedboat, and he gets into the speedboat, and then it was booby-trapped, and it starts falling, and the turtle man is in a rowboat, laughing at him uh, and he runs after him and then he runs around the rowboat and makes it spin really fast and tricks the turtle man and turns him in and then we have uh, the, the the newsboy on the corner selling read all about it the flesh the fastest man in the world and Iris says, how exciting it would be to meet a man like that. But I guess it's just an idle dream. And that's like such a golden age slash silver age trope where the hero's <laughs> girlfriend doesn't know his secret identity, but is in love with both of them. And it's like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he does with his clothes when he changes? He must squeeze him into that ring. Well, what about his hat? No, I don't think he squeezes him to the ring, but he's the fastest man alive. He can go hang him up on a hanger somewhere. Uh, so it 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 you know it is silver agey. I'm I'm not uh I'm not gonna pretend it's not. Uh, but I I I will never I will never have a time when I'm not fond of this story, and and a lot of it comes from you know the uh, the nostalgia of having read it in that Secret Origins book as you know whenever I was 13 years old and, and I loved it then and I continued to love it. And, uh, you know, it, it was, that book was the answer to the origins of Marvel comics, you know? Yeah. And, and it, it wasn't as good cause it didn't have the Stanley, you know, uh, text pieces in between, but it still served its purpose perfectly well. And, and I, I, it was, it was well loved in my home as well as Scott's. So I, I'm still on board with this story. I, I'm, I'm giving it a big thumbs up for the most part, despite the silliness. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to just jump right into it. I think the cover is an A. I, I really like it. I think it's iconic, and I think it's eye-catching. And if I was a kid back in 1956 on the newsstand, I guarantee you I would have wanted this book. Uh, I think the interior art, I... You and I are definitely disagreeing, Scott, because you know I like Joe Hubert. I think the inking on this is just fine. Uh, I think I think it's effective. I think this, this the story does a good job of showing speed when it should. It it as stupid as it is, it does does a good job of showing things not moving when the times call for it. Uh, and story wise, I think it. Uh, you know, it, it it does a great job of of updating the character you know, from the time to, you know, and remember, again, this is 1956. We, we didn't really have very sophisticated comics then. Uh, and I think this does a perfectly good job of updating the character, despite the very poor choice of having the Turtle Man be the villain that they created. So I'm going to say an A on the cover. I'm going to say a B on the interior art. And I'm going to say a C plus on the story. Uh, and overall, I'm going to give this a solid B. I'm going to save time and say I agree with you 100% on your breakdowns. However, I'm overriding my own vote and I'm making it a B plus overall. Because of the historic nature of this book, the whole concept of revamping the Flash and Scott Gardner's no, no prize to how 
no one knows who Clark Kent is. And I'm gonna, I'm giving it a I'm B+. I'm gonna back off mine, and I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna up it to a B plus, also because of the historic, historic uh, credibility that the story has. What say you, Scott? Now Scott's gonna say this book sucked. I hate this book. I hate the character. <laughs> I hate the art. I hate the story. It was crap. I can't believe you wasted my my night with this. No, not at all. I mean, it it is an iconic book. It's a very important book. It has a very important place in the history of not only DC Comics but you know comics as a whole. So I mean, you you kind of have to take all that into account. I think. Um, I think it's also one of those examples of, you know, it, it being greater than the sum of its parts. Um, I like the cover. The cover is iconic because it's become iconic. Um, but as an image in and of itself, I'm just kind of okay with it. Um, would I, you know, would this have made me want to grab it off the stands? It's really tough to say because I, I like it. I'm just not nuts about it. I think the whole thing with the with the film strip and i could be wrong about this but i have gone back and forth in this first story that we just looked at and unless i missed it anywhere it does not have what would eventually become a a big old trademark of the flash which was the after images when he was running where you would have the flash proper but then trailing behind him were like ghost images to, to illustrate that he was moving so fast. Um, there's great speed lines and there is the, you know, the illusion of speed, but they didn't do that after image thing quite yet. And I think that's kind of what the film strip is, is doing. And so I like that. It, it's like a precursor to something that would become a, a staple of the character, if that makes any sense. So in that aspect, I do kind of like it. Although again, the whole film thing's a little bit weird. Um, so yeah, I really do like the cover. It is an iconic cover. Um, you know, despite the fact that I, I'm just, you know, I'm not real high on it. And the coloring is really interesting because. The character himself is orange and yellow, yet so is the cover. So it's really kind of weird in that aspect. It, it doesn't, um, you know, there's no contrast, really. Everything just kind of blends. But it does look really cool. Um, it's really hard for me to grade this cover. Uh, I'm, I think I'll go a B- minus on the cover because, again, you know, uh, the iconic nature of it. I like the interior art. I am a huge Carmine Infantino fan, but of Infantino of, of a much later era than all of this. I, I see good things in it. I see, you know, the, the potential greatness of the artist, but there's there's a lot of wonky to it, too. Um, and again, I'm not sure exactly where that, you know, the fault with that lies. I think it's a combination of an inker I really don't, you know, whose art style I really don't care for. Plus, just you know, this being um, you know a much younger Infantino than than you know I would come to really be a fan of you know when I was a kid with his later stuff in the 70s and all that. So, you know, art wise, um, I think I'll also go a B minus on this just because you know he he would improve or at least you know he he would do things later that I would like a whole lot more than this. And then the story is really the tough one, because like I say, up to a point, I love this story. Um, I love how, you know, you said it, Paul, you know, it gets right into it. There's no screwing around in this story. I mean, it goes immediately into, you know, the, the whole origin thing. I mean, within, you know, less than a page and a half, he's already undergone the, the process that's going to make him the Flash. And then just a couple pages later than that, he's already in the costume. So, I mean, it just it moves right along very quickly. It, it just does not waste any time getting right into the whole thing. And you know, I love when it shows him using his powers and basically just finding himself as a hero. Everything's going along so well right up to the point of the big villain reveal. And then you realize he has got the absolute lamest villain ever. And a villain that I'm not, I can't even wrap my brain around how this confrontation would work. 
and how this villain could possibly pose any credible threat to not only the Flash, but even just a regular cop on the beat. You know, it just if this guy really is as slow as it's showing here, uh, how is he a supervillain? It just, it I I can't make it work in my brain. And you know me, I've got a high tolerance for for you know Silver Age wackiness and just comic book goofiness in general. And I can usually figure out some way to no prize it, but with this, it just it just doesn't work. Compared to the Flash, this guy would be completely immobile all the time and so i just don't see how that's a credible threat so you know that aside um yeah i like the flash discovering that holy shit i can run on water that's really because as soon as he runs out because i it's been a while since i reread this story when he runs out and jumps in the speedboat you know the flash i'm talking jumps into a speedboat i'm like why the hell didn't he just run across? Oh, he doesn't know he can do that yet. And then you turn the page and he's just discovered he can run on water. So I like those little things. I, you know, and even though the turtle man's completely ridiculous, I kind of sort of like the thing where the flash can't catch him, not because of anything the turtle man's doing, but just because the flash's own power is pushing the boat ahead of him so that he literally can't catch up to it. I thought that was kind of cool. You know, it's, I don't know if it really works, but <laughs> it was still kind of neat. He's got to think of an other way to capture this guy other than just running right up to him. So there were things that I really liked about it. Despite, I mean, really, the, the only thing that really holds this story back is just it's got just an incredibly lame villain. Um, other than that, it it is really cool and it is very exciting. And it's a really good introduction to, you know, a character that would that would be a big deal. So, um Story-wise, you know, more for the origin than than the actual villain part of the story. I, I'm going to give it a straight-up A. I really do like this. It is one of the iconic um, origin stories, you know, for for not only for DC but for comics in general. I really like this, and it's certainly a better um, origin story than the Golden Age Flash, which literally, like, sniffed water fumes and became the fastest man alive, which has got to be the lamest origin story ever. So, yeah, I like it. You know, and that's an overall book. Yeah. <laughs> right, it was like heavy water or something. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just it's completely ridiculous. I mean, we have heavy water here in, uh, or hard water, rather, here in Florida. I sniff it all the time. I don't move any faster than I ever have. So, <laughs> um, overall grade for the book, uh, would you guys say a B plus? I, I think that I think that works. Um, yeah, I might even be as tempted to go as high as an A minus because overall, I really do enjoy it as a thing. It just it's that villain. I think our that's, only that's really disagreement good. on this is I like Joe Kubert and you don't. I think otherwise we, we're, we're yeah, in total agreement on this. The villain, none of us are defending the Turtle Man as a villain. <laughs> did he ever come back? Yeah, he did. I don't wow. remember the stories, but I know great. he appeared again. It would have been great if the Flash got to the bank and the Turtle Man was laying on the ground, shot by the guard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he says, what, what took you so long? Yeah, exactly. Oh, I was taking a drink. You almost made me spit my drink out. That was funny. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think, you know, who who would have been I mean, not not somebody that did exist later, but just if you were going to if you were going to write this story, what kind of villain should he have had for his for his first I'm thinking if it had just been regular bank robbers would have been perfectly acceptable, right? Show him doing super speed stuff as the you know, he captures maybe one or two of the actual bank robbers in the bank or stops them or whatever, ties them up. But some some of them actually make it out of the bank into a getaway car and show him running down the street. And, you know, maybe, you know, he disassembles their engine as they're actually driving or something like that. And you could wrap the story up right there and it'd be super exciting. It'd be really cool that, oh, my gosh, you know, he he stopped all this with super speed and instead you get this dopey villain and it's just, it was completely unnecessary. Well, you, you know, you could have had, I mean, and, and 
you could have had a the villain be some sort of like a little bit of a mastermind instead of just a I talk slow, uh, and him have you have, have him use the Flash's super speed against him by making him overshoot targets and whatever. Uh, so you know that that he's defeating the Flash by making the Flash over you know overrun. Uh, and then you could he could have called him the Turtle Man or whatever, but just the the portrayal of him is he moves slow, so therefore the Flash can't beat him. There's no common sense to that. There's no logic to it. No, you needed to write it just a little bit better to make to make there be some sort of common sense to how he was utilizing his slowness to benefit him, uh, or or right. more more likely yeah, not that he's using his slowness to benefit him. He's using the, the Flash's own speed against him. Right. That's that's the way it needed to be written to have it make sense. But I guess they just thought, you know what, this is going to be read by a bunch of eight-year-olds, and they'll just think it's funny that it's you know the fastest man against the slowest man. <laughs> Sorry, kind of good. You don't win on that one. It must have worked because I mean, it, this know, character's never going to last. Whole new thing. This character's so. never going to last. <laughs> We got to get back to flash in the we got to get back to some it's more of those horror books. So now <laughs> that I mean that's it for showcase number four. I do want to do this more often where we take like key issues of books and and just do do a spotlight issue instead of just you know you know where we do the page by page the Avengers spotlight treatment on them. Absolutely, I I enjoy doing yeah, this me, me very too. much. I'm so. glad you guys. We're on board for it, and I'm glad everybody came in to listen to it. And uh, but that's it for now. So you're gonna have to wait till next week for the next one. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at two truefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. You really do want to get to that game. Well, you had more to say? <laughs> good, good, good. I'm, I'm listening. Good. I'm good. I don't know about that. <laughs>